Good morning. Today's reading from the Word of God comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 to 21. Please follow along in your own Bibles on the screen behind me or listen as I read the scriptures. Once again, that's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 to 21. Following the reading, I invite you to respond in worship with the singing of the doxology. At that time, children are invited to join kids' crew through the door on your right. Hear the word of the Lord. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Okay. All right, so it's our custom here at Anchor Bay to take a moment to silence ourselves, to quiet our hearts, quiet our minds, um, to just let the Spirit begin to minister to us. And then after a moment of silence, I will open us up in prayer, and then we will get started. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to gather together to worship your name and to lift your name on high. Lord, I pray that as, be as I begin to preach your word, Lord, that they not see me, but they see you. And I pray, Lord, that as your spirit is in the room, that you minister to the hearts and minds of each and every one of your children here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so let's get started. Um, have any of you had the experience where you're working on your laptop or your smartphone and all of a sudden things are just not working right? Like it's glitching, it's running slow, the things are not buffering at a longer time, like you are just looking at your laptop like please do not shut down. If there's one day I need you to work right, I need you to do it today. <laughs> and then you tinker with it for like five to ten minutes and you come to the conclusion, you know what, I'm just going to close all my tabs, I'm going to turn it off, I'm going to hit restart and pray that it works. And then you do that, and all of a sudden, you turn your computer on, and you're like, oh, you know how to work. <laughs> I thought I was on the brink of losing my laptop, thought I was on the brink of losing my phone, then you turn it off, there's like a magical button, you hit restart, and then all of a sudden, things are working again. All of a sudden, it's functioning, all of a sudden, it's not taking too long to load a page or anything, and 
as I was thinking about the sermon, I decided to look up what happens. Like, why does that work? Like, why is that a magical thing? And I'm not a tech-savvy person at all. I honestly am pretty useless when it comes to technology. But when I was looking um, up on Google, like, why does restarting your computer work, what I found out was that when you restart your computer, what you're doing is giving the operating system of a device, which is basically the brain of the device, a chance to clean house. It's giving the, um, the computer, your smartphone, whatever it is, a chance to remove all the junk that it's been holding on to, whether it's apps that have been running on in the background, and it's giving it a chance to no longer keep those apps running, keep those programs running, and it cleans out. It makes it operate new again. It um, restores its memory so that when you turn it back on, it's functioning. It has a better capacity. And people make this um, pretty analogous to like a human getting a good night's sleep. Like, you know, if you're pretty tired and then you've been running for like three days without like a good night's sleep and then you finally get eight hours and you wake up the next morning and you're like, wow, I feel like a new person. It's the same thing with your device. Once you shut it down, once you hit restart, it's like you're making it a new person. And so the reason I'm talking about technology, the reason I'm talking about restarting is because I think it's a pretty good analogy of what we have to do as believers from time to time. Sometimes, if we realize we're not really functioning all that well as a believer in Christ, if we realize, like, you know, we're not really on fire, we're not really, you know, having that passion, that zeal, things kind of seem to be lagging in our spiritual life, things kind of seem to be lagging in the things that we've committed ourselves to do, and we don't know why we're kind of buffering for so long, <laughs> maybe just to get out of bed to go to church in the morning, maybe to do the ministry job that you love, maybe it's to um, pray or read your Bible, and so you kind of have to take a moment to look and be like, okay, what's going on? And maybe it's time to hit restart. Maybe it's time to just be like, you know what? I'm going to close all the tabs. I'm going to close all the things that are running on in my life, close down all the responsibilities for one moment, and just hit restart. And that's what I want to do today with all of us. Today, I want to take a moment to just hit restart. Because life is busy, and there are a lot of things going on, both personally and in the world. There's a lot of conversations we're having in the church, a lot of hard ones about race, about politics, about gender. There's a lot of things going on in our personal lives, whether it's dealing with family issues or health issues, or if you're just dealing with the normal everyday life of being an adult, that's hard enough, whether you're a believer or not. <laughs> and so sometimes it can also make it feel like being a believer, being a Christian is just one of those other things that doing the things of the Lord is just another thing. And so when we get to those moments, one, I want to encourage you that you're not alone. And two, to realize that you don't have to stay in that funk. You don't have to try to work up the energy to hype yourself up. It may just be, you know what? I need to hit restart. I need a spiritual kickstart to get me going again. I need to take a moment to forget all the other things and remember what is the truth. And so to do that today, we're going to follow... Um, I think a practice or a model that Paul kind of lays out in 2 Corinthians. And so the letter of 2 Corinthians, it is, um, it's a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, in Corinth. And he's not unfamiliar with the church in Corinth. He is actually, he helped start plant the church in Corinth. He um, has kind of a complicated relationship with them. They, <laughs> they were... 
they were rejecting his teaching, rejecting his authority as an apostle. They were rejecting um, his leadership over them. And so he has been going back and forth with them for a little while, kind to, one, set them on the right track again, and then bring them back to accepting him as their leader and as their apostle. And so when Paul writes the second letter, he's actually, the relationship has been mostly repaired by now, but there are still a few bad apples in the congregation. There are still a few people he needs to address. And so what he does is he writes this letter, and it's basically him defending his ministry. He's defending, like, this is why I'm an apostle, this is why I preach the gospel, and I am not an illegitimate um, apostle, because there were false prophets and false teachers speaking against him. And so what we see in the letter, in the first seven chapters, Paul is just laying out, this is why I do what I do, this is the reason I have the authority to do what I do, and this is um, why I continue to pursue after you and continue to teach you, right? And so what I love about that is that what he's doing in these first seven chapters of the letter, he's just retelling the gospel message. What he's doing in his defense of his ministry, he's just laying out the gospel and putting his experiences in the framework of the gospel. And I think that's a really good practice because sometimes when in our own personal lives, if we are questioning why we're doing what we're doing, we may turn to other things to help us realize or defend ourselves. We may turn to like, oh, well, I grew up in church, so this is the way that it should be. I should continue to do the things in church, continue to grow in my maturity as a believer. Or you may turn to um, other shoulds and things that make you feel like I have to keep going. Things like, oh, well, my family keeps going, or my friends keep going, or my parents keep going, or I know this is the only way I know how to do stuff, so I have to keep going. And what Paul's, or sometimes it can be well, I'm passionate about this. I'm passionate about justice. I'm passionate about hospitality. I'm passionate about serving the needy. But there are times where the passion may not be enough to get up. There are times when the encouragement may not be enough to get up. And so what do you do? And what we see what Paul's doing is that he is not saying like, hey, I'm a passionate guy. I'm a good communicator. I can write really good letters. He's not saying this is why I do what I do. What he's saying is I am standing on the gospel. That's my defense. That's the reason I tell myself why I get up. Because in the life of Paul, we know he went through a lot of hardships. We know that Paul was on the brink of death many times. And I can imagine that he wasn't always excited to do those things. I can imagine he wasn't always excited to preach the gospel, to be a minister, to travel, all all these different places. And so hearing him base his life and base his work in the gospel... I think is what gave him the endurance to keep going, is what gave him the endurance to realize, you know what, it's not about my passion, it's not about my zeal, it's not about my encouragement, it's really about the fact that the gospel remains true. And when I put myself in those moments, I can keep going. Because I don't know about you, but the past couple months, I've been asking myself why quite a lot. I've been asking myself why, like why do you care about joining this conversation? Why do you care about doing this thing? Why do you care about um, engaging in some of the things that personally may be hard? So like, for example, why do I care about engaging in conversations about race? Even as a black person, I know that race is important. I know dealing with the oppression and the injustice in this world is important, but sometimes it's quite traumatic to go through those conversations. 
Sometimes it hurts to go through this conversation. So why do I keep going? It's easier if I didn't keep going. It's easier if I just stepped step back and was like, you know what? The world is going to do what the world wants to do, and I'm just going to protect myself. But no, you keep going. But why? It's not because I'm just a passionate person. It's not because I'm energetic about the things um, of injustice and oppression and correcting those things. It's like, no, it's because I have to root myself in what the gospel says. And so let's, let's turn to that now. Let's turn um, to 2 Corinthians 5, verses 16 to 21, which Amelia read so be beautifully for us today. And so by the time we get to this part in the letter of, of Corinthians, I kind of call this like the climax of Paul's defense. It's the part where the first five chapters, he is laying out the gospel message. He is talking about the new covenant and how the spirit gives life and how it's different than the old covenant, than the old way, the law. And by the time you get to chapter five, Paul is basically like, look, this is the bottom line. <laughs> this is why I do what I do. And what he does is that he just lays out the gospel message straightforward. And so we're going to walk through that today, and I hope that this can be a sort of spiritual kickstart for all of you, that this can be the thing that makes you realize, like, okay, I can stand on the truth of what the gospel says about who I am and why we do what we do. So let's walk through that together. So beginning in verse 16, it reads, so from now on, we regard no one um, from a worldly point of view, or I'm sorry, I have the NIV, but I believe we read the ESV. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. And so what Paul is beginning to communicate, he's like, okay, there's a new thing going on, right? This is the beginning of the gospel, is that there's a new perspective, there's a new way of understanding ourselves, and he continues in verse 17 by saying, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And so what Paul does is that he breaks down the gospel, I think, into like three points. Into the what, the how, and the why. And so the what of the gospel is what we just read. The what is there is a new era in human history. The old has passed away, and behold, the new is here. And that new era is characterized by restored relationship with God. And so what Paul is saying in the new creation, what he's explaining is that the way we understand Jesus, the way we understand him as being fully God and fully man, has now somehow shifted our understanding of ourselves. And that we have been unified with Christ. And so because we've been unified with Christ, there's a new way that we can understand who we are as people. And so this is not just about an individual experience of feeling new. This is about a whole new way of human existence. Because the old way that has passed away, the old way was the way of sin. The old way was, if we go back to Genesis and the Garden of Eden, we see that Adam and Eve, when they commit the first sin, they create a pattern in which every human would, um, was born into the pattern of sin. And so what Paul is beginning to say is like, okay, that old way has passed away. Now that we have been unified with Christ, there is a new way. And that new way is about being in relationship with God. It's about being reconciled with God. And so you are a new person. 
You may not look different, you may not talk different, you may not walk different, but spiritually you are a new person. So that's the beginning, that's the what of the gospel. The what, what happened with the gospel? We became new because we have been unified with Christ. We are no longer under the curse of sin, we are no longer under bondage to sin, we are new in Christ. And so how did this happen? What, the how, how did this come about? The how is, well, we sang it today um, in worship, is that Jesus bore our sins on the cross. The how is that we have access to this relationship with God through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so what we see is um, in verse, I believe it's verse 18. It says, yes, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And so the beginning part of verse 18, it says the all this, which is referring to the new creation, the new order of humanity, is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. And so the beautiful thing is that, okay, this newness, this new creation, this new identity is not um, something I have to work towards. It's been established in the finished work of Christ, is that there was sin that kept us apart from the Lord, and then God came down and he decided to handle, with, to handle the issue of sin on his own through his son, Jesus Christ. And so that's the how. The what of the gospel? We are made new by being unified with Christ. We are not under the power of sin. We are no longer in bondage or slaves to sin. The how was it accomplished? It was accomplished through the death and resurrection of Christ. And so now we're getting to the big point. The big point of this is the why. Why was this accomplished? Why did this happen? And so the why is what we're seeing in verse, um, in verse, sorry, I lost my place. In verse 21. In verse 21, it says that, it says that God made him, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so that's the why of the gospel. The why of the gospel is because we become the righteousness of God. And so what happened here is that when we talk about righteousness, it can kind of be a heavy word that we may not always know how to define at times. And so righteousness is just the ability to be in right standing with God. It's the ability to be in a right relationship with God. And so the righteousness of God is God's power, his saving, restorative power that allows you to be in right standing. And so what Paul is saying is that we have become that. We have become vessels of God's saving power. We have become vessels of God's restorative power. And so what Paul is saying, the ministry of reconciliation is not a passion project. The ministry of reconciliation, the ministry of being an ambassador for Christ is not based on your energy, it's not based on your zeal, it's not based on your own ability to encourage yourself. He's like, no, it's based on the gospel that has transformed you. Because if you believe the gospel that made you a new person, if you believe the gospel that set you free from sin, also believe the gospel that says that you have now become a vessel for God's power. And so the point is that even in the moments where we are experiencing a spiritual lull, even in the moments where we are finding it hard 
to encourage ourselves, or we're finding it hard to continue to pursue the things of God when the questions about our life, the questions about why we do the things as a church, as a group of believers, are not coming from the outside, but are coming from our own hearts, are coming from the inside. How do we stand up against those questions? How do we defend ourselves against our own inner thoughts that make us question, is this all in vain? If I don't see the fruit, and it's been years of not seeing fruit, if the world keeps getting crazier and crazier, is it all in vain? And the answer is no. It's not all in vain. Because the reality is you are the righteousness of Christ. We are the righteousness of Christ, whether we feel like it or not. Whether we have the passion this day, whether we're on fire this day or not, the reality is the gospel says we have become the righteousness of Christ. We have become vessels of God's divine saving power. We have become people of God, and that means that sometimes it's as simple as showing up. Sometimes when you are not feeling on fire, it is as simple as trusting God and still showing up. Because this is not a sermon, let me be very clear, on ignoring your feelings and pushing through. This is not a sermon on just keep going and keep chugging ahead. No, 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 no. There's wisdom in breaks. There's wisdom in rest. There's wisdom in sabbaticals. Hence, Pastor Brent is not with us right now. But this is a sermon about how do we endure? How do we keep going? How do we tell ourselves that, no, this is not a worthless endeavor to live a life of godliness? No, this is not a worthless endeavor to, to go into the dark places of the world and try to be a light when we don't see the fruit of us being a light. No, this is not a worthless endeavor to get up every day and pursue loving thy neighbor when your neighbor is making it really hard to love them, you know? And it's because you have to remind yourself, you know what? I am the righteousness of Christ. I am the righteousness of God. That means that I am not working myself up to do this. I just have to stand on the gospel. And that's how we continue to endure. That's how we continue to pursue. That's how we continue to have a consistent gospel witness in this world. Because the, the church is not just built of good people doing good things. The church is built on people who are convicted that the gospel remains true. The gospel can save you from your sin, and the gospel also makes you a vessel for God's power. And so when we look in this letter and we see Paul is using the gospel to defend himself, I think it's a really good practice for us. That in times when the questions seem loud, in times when the energy is low, to remind yourself, you know what? I am the righteousness of God, and I trust that when I show up, God show up. God shows up. When we show up, God shows up. And even if I'm not on my A game, even if I am not super excited, I can still show up and trust God with what I have to bring. Sometimes it's just as simple as saying, you know, Lord, all I have today are five loaves and two fish. Or being honest and saying, and honestly, it feels like one loaf and one fish right now. I don't even have five. <laughs> but to still show up. Because once you continue to, re to integrate yourself into the gospel message, you can realize I am a vessel. I can be used. And I don't have to worry about, oh, should I feel guilty that I'm not super passionate? Should I feel guilty that it's hard? Should I feel guilty that people are questioning me and coming at me? Should I feel guilty that there are things that I would rather not do? No. 
just rest in the fact that no matter what happens, you are God's child and you are a vessel that he is going to use. And that in those moments, you can humbly prostrate yourself before the Lord and be like, Lord, I don't have energy today, but I know your word is true. Lord, I don't have energy today, but I know that this is a fallen world and I know that your gospel has changed me. So I trust you in that power to allow me to continue to be consistent. And I think that's what the world needs. The world needs a consistent gospel witness. And I think that's how we as the church continue to do that. We continue to be consistent. We continue to endure. We continue to persevere just by doing what Paul has demonstrated, by continually seeing ourselves in the gospel, by continually telling ourselves, no, this is not a passion project. No, this is not about the things that I want to do or I know how to do. No, this is about I have been changed. I have been renewed. I have been restored. And because of that change, I can go forth and continue to put myself out there and trust God with it. And that might seem scary. That might seem intimidating. But from my own life, from my own experiences, is that in the times where it's scary, in the times when it's intimidating, in the times where I have to trust that the Lord is doing something even when I can't feel it, he always shows up. Even today, right now, standing in front of you, I had to trust (laughs) that I am the righteousness of God and that he will show up in this space as I prepare to preach. I had to trust that, Lord, I'm not feeling the best this week. I'm kind of tired. I went through a whole year of seminary. It's a lot. (laughs) You get pretty exhausted by the end of the year. And I'm like, Lord, I just want to kick my feet up. But I'm trusting that even in my low energy, if I come and I prepare and I humble myself and pray to you, I can still show up. And so that is the encouragement I want to leave you with today is that the consistency is not in you. It's in the gospel. It's in the finished work of Christ. It's in the fact that you have all been transformed into beautiful vessels for God's using. And so when I started this sermon today, I started talking about technology and I started talking about rebooting devices and whatnot and all those things. And when I was on my computer Googling what happens when you restart a device and all the different websites I looked at, the bottom line was the same. Like the summary that they put was all the same. It said that when you restart a device, it helps its longevity, that the more you get into the habit of restarting your device and improves how long it's going to last. It improves its lifespan. And I think today what my hope or what the application could be of the sermon is that maybe we just need to get in the habit of hitting restart. Maybe we just need to get into the habit of going back to that old story, the story that saved us, the story that we've heard hundreds of times over and over again, and ask God, okay, bring me back to that. Make the gospel come alive in me again. Hit restart, because then maybe it will improve my longevity in ministry. Maybe it will improve my longevity in the things of God. Maybe it will improve my longevity and to keep going. And so the spiritual practice of going back, of doing what Paul did and putting your life and your work in the framework of the gospel and realizing it's not about you. It's about what Jesus has done then maybe we can continue to last. Maybe we can continue to endure. Even as the world is getting crazier, we can continue to keep moving forward. And so that's, that's all I have for you today. It's a spiritual kickstart. 
It's simple, it's not new, but it's something that I have to keep telling myself. There are days when I look in the mirror and I'm like, it's the gospel, deep breath. Like, (laughs) this is not in vain, this is not a mistake. You may not see the fruit, but it's okay because the gospel says that we are vessels of God's divine saving power. And on the hard days, I can be like, you know what, Lord, I'm resting in that. And yeah, there are seasons where I'm energetic and I'm on fire, but then the seasons where I'm not, I'm just like, you know what? It's the gospel. I am a new creation. I'm in relationship with God. Jesus bore my sins, and because of that, I get to be a vessel for God's power in this world. And so sometimes I just show up and continue to do what I need to do, trusting God that he's the one moving. He's the one restoring. He's the one reconciling. And we just have to continue to hold on to that gospel truth. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your gospel. Thank you for... Thank you for this old story that has saved us, for this story that not only removed us from the power of sin and brought us back into your light, but for the story that has changed the trajectory of our lives so that we are now people on purpose, people on mission to be your reconciling power. And so, Lord, I pray that the truth of that is something we can stand on, that in the moments where it feels hard to get up, that we can stand on the truth that, you know what, Lord, you have done the work. You have finished it. And so I pray, Lord, for everyone in this room that if anyone here is feeling guilty or feeling low or feeling like they don't have energy, Lord, I pray that you revive the gospel in their lives again. Revive the gospel in their heart again. Allow them to look in the mirror and say, I am the righteousness of God. And that is enough. And I lift all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.